Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. Everyone, this week I have Noni Popple from Small Steps with me. She is a Small Steps coordinator and has been with Hobart City Mission for five years. Small Steps provides a live-in parenting and life skills program for 11 young mums under the age of 25 and their babies. Uh, it provides 24-7 on-site care and each mum can stay at Small Steps for up to two years. The mums are taught uh, skills that can assist them in living independently in the community, such as budgeting, managing a stable tenancy and providing a health and safety and safe environment for their children. Small Steps has been established since June 2014 and has provided assistance to over 40 mums, uh, many of whom have uh, moved on to independent living while successfully completing studies um, or being in employment. Um, so hi, Noni, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Cool, fine, thanks. Look, it's thank you so much for spending the time out today to come and talk to me about Small Steps. Small Steps is also part of DIY Dads, and we've got another episode on DIY Dads as well. So, look, thank you so much. Um, what you guys do is fantastic and great for single mums and their babies. So cheers for that. Can you just give me a bit more detail? I mean, I gave a brief synopsis of what you do for these young mums, but can you like give me a brief synopsis? Give me a little bit more information about what Small Steps actually does for these guys. Yeah, so it's Small Steps is a it's a one of a kind program, really. So as you said, we have young mums up to the age of 25 uh, and children up to the age of five. And mm-hmm. I guess what makes the, the program uh, unique is that we do have that on-site support, as you mentioned. So um, I'm obviously here during the day, but then after hours, we've got a live-in volunteer caretaker who's also there for after hours. Oh, okay. Matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also on call should anything urgent arise. So there is that 24-hour wraparound support and the girls can stay for up to two years as well, which is really good. So it takes away that initial housing crisis or yeah. are we going to stay tonight and we can really get into the nuts and bolts of other supports that they need and, you know, work towards those goals. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Because you just don't give them accommodation, do you? You actually um, you provide them with loads of other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we do pretty much my role, I suppose, with the participants in the program is is case management. But we also so we do goal setting and things like that. As far as you know, that could be health goals. It could be further education. Uh, it could be life skills, which is a separate program within the program. So mm-hmm. the life skills program is things that you touched on before, like budgeting, cooking maintaining a tenancy, might be getting their driver's licence, skills that they'll need for when they do move on to independent living with their children. Yeah, that's because I suppose being under 25, there are things like that 
one, they may have never been taught to cook. Two, they might not be able to drive because they're under 25 and may not have had that opportunity. Mm. So, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a lot of things that is good for getting them out in the community. And um, how did these mums come to you? Like, where do they, where do they come from as such? What's their backgrounds? Yeah, so usually they are referred. They can either self-refer, which we are getting a lot more of now that the program's been running for, you know, such a period of time now. Um, A lot of them are self-referring. They're hearing from friends or family or, Mm -hmm. you know, usually somebody knows somebody. So that's really good. Um, But otherwise they can be referred by any of their formal support networks. And um, as far as where they come from, it really is a a mixed bunch. There are Mm -hmm. lots of different challenges that young mums face and depending on, you know, which which challenges they're working on can depend on how they come to be referred. But a lot of the time it may be that they don't have a lot of family support, uh, that they may have been couch surfing for a while as a young teen themselves and then they find themselves pregnant. Um, So, you know, then there's that additional complication of, well, I need stable housing to you know, ensure that I don't have uh, other agencies raising concerns, people such as child safety and, um, you know, family law courts, things like that. So, um, yeah. And do a lot of these um, young mums and their kids, are they they involved with the fathers or do you find that sometimes they've got pregnant and Mm -hmm. then, you know, the fathers have said, oh, wow, okay, uh, no, I don't want anything to do with you or whatever. Is it that situation as well? Yeah, there's a real mix. Um, I wouldn't say there's more one versus the other as far as the father's involvement. They're definitely, particularly if they come in and they're pregnant, quite often, you know, dads might not be really on board. It may have been a brief relationship. Um, Yes, yeah. Yeah, not something that any of them were expecting to end in in a pregnancy or a child. Or it could just be that, you know, Quite often they are quite young. We've got quite a few at the moment that are at that younger end, so they're sort of sixteen mm-hmm. and seventeen. And Blimey. quite often for dad, it's not it's not as real as it is for us when you know women are pregnant and we can feel our babies moving and yeah. we start to accept it and make those changes a lot earlier than the men sometimes do. So often it's not until a baby is sort of put in front of them and it's like oh okay we had a baby <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah they can take yeah and no, I can out. yeah I can understand that because the babies grow like uh, you know it, we um you know and not to tie anyone you know with the same but but mums have a baby growing in them so it's a little bit real yes when your belly starts getting bigger and your back starts aching and you start craving food or throwing up or whatever whereas you know the guys and I'm sure they're grateful for not having to give birth but the guys (laughs) um you know are um yeah a little bit on the periphery I suppose when it comes to the realization of crikey we've made a baby absolutely it's it's just not quite as real I think for for them particularly if if they're coming and they're still at the pregnant um stage but also another main reason for referring is quite often relationship breakdown so they may have been Mm -hmm. all living together and then the relationship is broken down and that's then left the young mum and you know the child as well um at risk of homelessness and at the moment Tasmania along with a lot of other places is really struggling with the rental crisis 
um, housing is a huge issue at the moment. And so it's pushing people that, you know, normally wouldn't be um, at risk of homelessness because of those relationship breakdowns, you know, financial yeah. stress, all of that. And is that why you is that why you set the limit of like uh, twenty five and under? Because I can imagine being at that age, pregnant. Uh, find, look, finding a rental property is hard enough when you're a single mum and you're over the age of twenty five. But to be yeah. under the age of twenty five or around sixteen, seventeen, no rental record, you know, no rental evidence as such, mm. and you're going out there and saying, well, I'm a single mum and I'm pregnant and I'd like to rent a house, please. I'm sure they're not the top of the list when it comes to things like that. No. You know, I mean, our, rent, our rental markets in Australia and, and Tasmania are like, you know, insane anyway with like yes. 10, 10 or 12 couples, let alone single people looking at accommodation. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, they definitely are on the back foot. And as far as the age cutoff goes, it, it, it I imagine I wasn't here initially when the program started, but I yeah. imagine it would have been, you know, quite a difficult um, thing to, to make a decision on. But I guess it came down to what the, the need was in the local community at the time, but also the the information we were getting from other agencies, such as a big one, I suppose, would have been child safety uh, as yeah. far as, you know, them becoming involved in cases where perhaps really the only issue was housing. There may yeah. not have been any other concerns. And, um, you know, these girls often don't have that additional family support. So they really need more than just formal support. Sometimes it is the life skills. It's learning how to cook and how do I prepare solids for my baby now that they've reached the age where they can have food. And, you know, some of those things that I guess we take for granted if we're you know, living in a in a family unit or um, with extended family, we're learning these things as we go. Well, and I suppose if you're 16, 17, even 18, 19, you're like, and, and look, and my mum had me when I was 19, when she was 19, not when I was 19, <laughs> otherwise that'd have been a big baby. But like, um, no, my mum had me when she was 19. And look, at the end of the day, at at 19, you're not really thinking about, well, at what age do I feed my child this? And at what age do they need solids? And well, how do I do this? And how do I, I mean, I, when I had my son and I was in my forties, so that says a lot, but like, I still didn't have a clue about any like breastfeeding and solids and all of that stuff. And I mean, thank God for Google, but you know, I can imagine it can be a bit daunting for these guys. Absolutely. You've really, um, you've really honed in on something there. And that is that really, no matter what age you are, when you become a mum for the first time, nobody is born knowing how to be a mum. We all have to learn it. Um, It's just sometimes that when we're a bit older, we have more ability to be able to seek the information that we're looking for mm-hmm. or we we know where to go to ask whereas you know quite often when you're a young mum you, you you may not have that and you you feel very disconnected because quite often you know you lose friends and um, sometimes even family yeah um, so your support network can actually decrease rather than increase at times like that yeah that was what I was, that was what I was going to ask you know I mean like obviously we've we've covered off like the hurdles that they would actually sort of have of the accommodation and and things like that, you know, so like, you know, getting accommodation at such a young age, like under 25 could be an issue, you know, the impacts of sudden like 
ta-da, we've got a baby and now we need to look mm-hmm. after it. And, um, you know, that sort of impact. But like what other things do these guys, you know, these young mums have to face? And then like how do you guys help them overcome it as such? Yeah, well, there, there are quite a few hurdles um, that, that young mums face. And I think a big one is, yeah, one we touched on, such as the isolation. So often becoming mm. disconnected from friends um, and, you know, even education, if they're still at school or at college, uh, that's a big one. Um, lack of support from, yeah, family, financial stress, the homeless, you know, being at risk of homelessness. And also the fear of, of other agencies, such as child safety, or the family law courts um, is a huge one for them because they, you know, yeah. as you said, how, how do you secure accommodation when you don't have the, the rental history? You are young, you, you're probably not working if you're pregnant or you have a young person. And, and then you've also got this added stress of, oh, well, if you don't have stable housing, you know, we, we are, um, you know, we're watching you and we're quite worried about it. And then you've got this fear of your child then going into the foster care system. So oh, yeah. um, that that is a really big one for the girls. And, and quite often it may be the only contributing factor, the only reason that an agency like that may be involved. And that's really, that's really tough um, and yeah. really unfair. Um, but, yeah, it, it is another hurdle that they're facing. So when you say it's a living parenting program right do the girls actually do they each have a self-contained unit or are they in a in a do they each have their own rooms with their babies and then they're like in a communal housed environment how 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 is it set up yeah so it is a unit complex so um my office is located on site as well but they are conjoined units so each each mum has their own one bedroom unit there is we do have one two-bedroom, but that's that's mm-hmm. kept for mothers that might be expecting their second child or have two children, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's usually in high demand as well. But otherwise, all the units are sort of set out as a two-storey complex and then there's shared spaces. So mm-hmm. although they have their own kitchen and bathroom, um, you know, they cook and clean for themselves, the only thing they have to share is a laundry Um but then they're sort of conjoined by these shared spaces. We have a lovely, beautiful courtyard um, play, outside play area for the kids. And then we've got an indoor playroom that's that's set up where we have play group and, you know, we do arts and craft. And then we've yeah. also got an upstairs, more like a big lounge room. I guess it's like an extension of, um, of a lounge room, like a chill out zone if they want to get together and they can use that after hours as well. So it just gives them opportunity to catch up not always in their own spaces as well because sometimes that social anxiety is a pretty big thing for these girls and they may not always know how to politely say to somebody well oh you know I'm going to put bub to bed now could you please yeah (laughs) um yeah yeah so oh and look it's great because like I know being a single mom one of the and like a lot of single mums out there and dads um and maybe even more so with dads because at least with the single mum community we have you know uh mother's groups that you know we first get involved in when we first have the children and stuff but like you know it's when you're a single parent it's very isolating and even if you're involved in daycares and school and various different things like that you still can be you still can feel isolated because if there's a lot of you know other parents who are coupled up and they 
don't invite you out and you know because you're the single parent the oddball because you don't have a partner or whatever sometimes that can happen I haven't ever had it happen to me but you know so I'm you know there are certain situations where that can actually sort of happen yeah so I suppose it having these guys having communal areas but also having their own areas sort of helps them with their you know not feeling as though they're on their own I suppose Absolutely. And that's one of the, the things that often comes up when, you know, people are coming for a look around and, and they're in that referral stage is a lot of the time they haven't lived by themselves independently, even if they've been mm. out of home as a team, they've lived with friends or family, they've couch surfed at other people's houses. So the way that Small Steps is set up, it's a really great environment. It's a good sort of middleman, I suppose, from going living with other people to living completely in your own um accommodation because although you have your own unit and you can choose when you want to engage and socialize with other people it's you've still got your own space but you can still hear other people around you you know there's still still people there 24 hours a day if you you know just feel like a chat or if something comes up and it can't wait till the morning so Mm. it's it's a good in between I think it's a good lead into living completely independently perhaps in a suburb you've not lived before yeah support around you yeah no that's fair and uh, do you get like because I know the girls are there with the babies and they're all in their own environment but do you then get like the grandparents come and visit them see how they're doing is that sort of encouraged yeah the girls are allowed to have visitors on site um there, we have visiting hours, so mm-hmm. we, we don't have visitors there sort of of an evening and or overnight, uh, male or female visitors, but we do encourage them to have the people that they want and that they feel are supportive of them um, in their environment as well. So we would strongly encourage that, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. So um, what made you get involved? You've been with Hobart City Mission for like five years almost now. So like... How, how come you got involved then with such an awesome cause? Yeah, well, I guess I was, um, I'm really lucky in the fact that really this is my dream job. So I was a young mum myself. Um, I was 17 when I had my eldest. Right, blimey. Um, who's now 19. So I've managed to keep him alive. To God love you. You know, absolutely. I, I'm still waiting on the medal to arrive. Well, I think you'll be waiting a long um, time. My mum was 19 <laughs> and had me and she's like 60-odd now and not had the medal, so. <laughs> I won't hold my breath. Yeah, no, don't. Um, but I guess for me, I, I'd i previously worked in the community service sector with children and foster carers in the out-of-home care oh, sector yeah. and then took a, a break from that Um to be with my children who I had that were still quite Mm. young and and, um, the demand of work and home life was a bit difficult. So I then did family daycare for a few years but always had the intention of coming back into that sector at some point. But I'd always had this, it's just weird because I'd always had this, you know, if I won Tats Lotto, you know, what would would you do as everybody does? (laughs) And to me it would be to have a to have a, I guess, a smaller version of what small steps ends up being. Yeah. So it would be to purchase a, a large house or property and have shared areas and then each of the uh, participants would have their own room, but they would come in hopefully when they were pregnant and learn the skills that they need to learn before their baby yeah. comes along. 
um, when I was when I first came into the community services sector, I was really gobsmacked, I suppose, to learn that if you were a child in the system yourself that, that became pregnant as a teenager or a young adult, automatically that that put a bit of a flag, I suppose, on your your name. And I could see that this was happening, but there wasn't any early intervention. Yeah. Um, so it was sort of like they'd sit in the background and then um, baby would be born and, you know, those conversations would be had and, and the child would often go into foster care, whereas I felt if we could capture them earlier, that would be great. And I felt that it was just really unjust that I could have my baby at 17, mm. but if I had have grown up in the system and I was pregnant at 17, my rights to my child may have been very different. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And look, so, at the end of the day, just because you grow up in the system, it doesn't mean to say that you don't have, you know, every right to look after your child as such. Yeah, no. Um, and really, Absolutely. my view is, rightly or wrongly, and here we go, this is where I get lots of mail coming through, but that... Um, the system is therefore <laughs> failing if this is the case and we're flagging people. Um, we should be helping people that are in the system and actually like, you know, assisting them in being better educated and better equipped so that, you know, when they do get to the age where they are having children, that they aren't flagged because it isn't an issue because we've helped them. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I just felt like we've got this sort of, nine, 10 month period of pregnancy, what a perfect opportunity mm. to be starting that early intervention that was getting missed. So then when I heard through a colleague I'd used to work with that Hobart City Mission were starting this program, I was just, I was, and she said to me, it's your dream, yeah. um, you know, Tatsoto dream on a bigger scale. And I thought that's great. And then the coordinator who began with the program uh, went on maternity leave, so I covered maternity leave, and then um, yeah, I've I've hung around since. So I'm really lucky because I've never really worked a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, see. Although you say I've never worked a day in my life, see, like you are working, but you're doing such a good job. That's the thing. You just love what you're doing. So that's like the ideal position, isn't it, really? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm very yeah. blessed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, like, wow, you know, I can't believe, and I'm sure there are, and maybe I've missed them online or whatever, but I can't believe that you guys have started this in Tasmania and we don't have anything. And maybe we do. So please write in to me and tell me um, that we don't have anything like this on in, you know, in Australia as such for young yeah. mums and young dads, as far as I'm aware anyway, but maybe I'm wrong there, to, you know, help them. So, um, hey, you've heard it here first. If I win Tats Lotto and I'm in Melbourne, I'll set one of these <laughs> up in Victoria and I'll speak to you guys and get you to help me. Sounds yeah, amazing. I did win 10 bucks on Tats Lotto last week, but um, I uh, think I'm going to need to win a bit more to set one of these up. But, might, yeah, yeah, possibly. But that's fine, no, because I think what you guys are doing, both with the DIY dads and small steps is it's just awesome and so good to like give these guys a helping hand you know it's brilliant so look on that note then do you have any so like you've you guys have helped over 40 mums okay like move on you know yeah. become successful mums and you know go out into the community and you know work study and 
become successful in their lives and for their children to enable them to support their children. So, like, do you have you got anything like off the top of your head that you've like seen happen to a mum or something that's come from like a situation that's not been favorable to and you guys have helped her and then she's come out the other side and kicked goals for want of a better word yeah absolutely I mean I think we're really lucky that we see outcomes quite regularly and those outcomes look different with every participant and they're measured differently you know some people would say that you know one of our best outcomes would be a young mum in furthering her education and enrolling mm. in courses and certainly we've we've done we've had that we've had young mums that have um you know began study at university or TAFE or wow. um you know we had one young mum that that studied to be a babies and and children swim instructor and she's now been working at a pool for two years now um you know, and those are absolutely great outcomes or, or staying connected in school. That's a huge one. Mm. Um, you know, having the school on board and, and being able to take child with you or baby with you and for, for mums to stay connected in education when a baby is mm. born is huge and that's a wonderful outcome. But then, you know, other people would say things like when we've had, you know, often agencies such as child safety will use small steps to support reunification so that's where children are in the foster care system they've been removed and they're wanting to reunify them with their parents so okay um so we we've successfully supported a number of young mums to do that and and i mean that's massive because then you've got these mother and child that have been reunified that otherwise without that support may not have been able to do that and that's because we are unique and we do have that 24-hour support yeah yeah Um, no definitely definitely but we've had, or we've had people that have been told that, you know, they their children are going to be removed and they come into the program when they're pregnant. We start, you know, case management and documenting Shame. things, setting goals, and mm. their children remain in their care. So yeah. they are also really, really huge outcomes. Um, yeah, because it must be really stressful to be told, right, well, I know you're pregnant, but we're going to take your child away. And for you guys to come in and then say, no, we're going to help you and we'll help you to keep your child, um, which is just awesome. Such a great yeah, outcome absolutely. for mum and bub and dad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. always lovely to have, particularly when we have past residents pop in and, you know, share their exciting news. It might be, um, you know, they've got their driver's license or they've yeah. finished their study or um, we've got one of our earlier participants who's finished her degree in social work, which seems to be a common theme with wow, them, which is, okay. I think, great because I've got yeah. this experience Yeah. Um, and about to do her master's. So that's, you know, that's, oh, that's also awesome. really huge for her. But outcomes I think are measured differently for each participant so yeah yeah no that's fair so look are you guys solely funded by contributions uh how do you guys how do you guys keep going because obviously you aren't charging the mums to stay at the unit or are you I don't know (laughs) yeah well we don't receive any uh government funding and um you know which which does make things difficult financially however does also Mm come with some benefits as far as you know we can we can set the outcomes we can set um you know age limits and we can allow people to stay longer if they need to or have them come in if they're just a little under or just a bit over the age um 
range if we're happy to support that. Um, yeah. But mainly the program is funded through uh, donations, generous donations from the public um, in our local okay. community and then also uh, funds that are raised in our op shops, the Hobart City Mission op shops help okay. to fund the program. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we, we're really lucky like that, that the community has rallied around the program and as as it's become, you know, more widely known, people just love to get involved. We've got people that will, will ring and say, what do you need? And it, I might say, oh, look, we we don't have any, um, you know, sheets or, or we really just yeah. need some nappies or something like that and, you know, within a few days we've got them so we're really lucky that the local community and even interstate are very um, generous and really supportive of the program yeah yeah no yeah no and it's hats off to people like that that come on um come on board and just help you guys out do you do you have like fundraising events as well uh we do at different times yeah we um we run um so Fundraising drives, but also uh, one of one of the events that we usually have annually is the Great Southern Pram Push. So oh, yeah. um, that's that's done differently depending on the year and the theme, but it's about getting the local community together and involved in raising funds for small steps. And um, yeah, so so we do do different different requests, I suppose, at different times of the year when we yeah. need. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's great. And. Um, and so, like, why do you think that this program is so important? What's Why do you think the work needs to continue that you're doing? Yeah, look, I think I think the uniqueness of the program is what makes it so special. Um, I we yeah. always we're pretty much always at capacity, and always have a huge waiting list. I'm constantly processing referrals, and um, we have had you know some people come from interstate at times to look at the program and look at setting something up locally um as far as we're aware it hasn't eventuated yet but the hopes is that you know we can always inspire other organizations or people to do that because the need is huge but I think what makes it so unique is that 24-hour support so we can take on clients that are out of the box or that may not fit into you know criteria of other places and we've got after hours support as well. So, you know, as we know, crisis doesn't just happen between nine and five. Um, Often it's late at night or middle (laughs) of the night, especially with a little one. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, no, exactly. I was going to say, do you help mums with like, because I know like, oh my gosh, the amount of pictures of poo that I took when my my son was like between the ages of zero and 12 months to go, oh, is this the right colour poo? Do I, and comparing it on Google to like, you know, and rashes on his body and things like that. So do you, I mean, and I'm sure the mums, like if there's mums that have older children, they help out the ones that have just got the younger ones as such. But do you actually help them out with like, you know, the, the, the terrifying things at like 2 a.m. in the morning where you go, oh, he's come out or she's come out in a rash and I I'm, I don't know, should I be going to the hospital? And, you know, yeah. is that you just give the support around those things as well? His poo's bright green. Do I do something about that yeah. or like, you know, yeah. Absolutely. And that's about um, building building them up as well, I suppose, and and that mm. that 
constant balance of trying to empower them, not uh, enable them. So really wanting them to be able to move on and be really independent and to know when that happens in the middle of the night, well, who do I ring because there's no noni there to call or, you know, there's no caretaker to pop down to. So it's about supporting them to find the solution, but absolutely um, initially in the beginning, those middle of the night things could be things, as you've mentioned, um, medical things with the child, or it could be yeah. they've had a, a you know, big argument on the phone with a family member or a partner and they need emotional support um, or mental health. You know, mental health is a, is a common struggle um, as well for our young mums. So, yeah, it, it could be any For any mum. Yeah. I've well, got yeah. to say, for, for any mum, I mean, do you know what? Like, I never experienced, well, I've learned patience. I thought I was a patient person, but I definitely have learned patience and I definitely know what buttons I've got. Let me just put it that way. Like, you know, and I'm an old lady now. So, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, like, well, I'm not that old, but like, I feel old, especially some mornings when Oscar, my son's been like up at 4am in the morning. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I completely, I love what you say. It's about empowering these guys. You know, it's not about enabling them or like giving them so much support that, that, you know, when they're not in small steps, they don't know what they're doing and they're like, oh, my God, yeah. it's about empowering them and helping them so that when they do leave, they are able to stand on their own two feet and they are able to, like, you know, uh, feel confident enough to say, well, I do know what I need to do and that is go to hospital or, or you know, oh, it's just green poo because he's had a rainbow lolly or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we, we want them to, to know where to go and to feel connected in w- whichever community they, they land in when they leave here. We want them to know yeah. where to find what they Yeah, what no, they that's need. fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. So, look, okay, so, so the community funds you, basically, and we, you know, um, like, thank you for telling us about Small Steps because that's awesome. But, like, how do – if people listening to this want to – help out or have an epiphany or have won the lotto and want to actually establish and set one of these up (laughs) and make all of us happy and some other 11 mums happy with the bubs as well like how how do these guys support you guys or how do they connect with you to obviously then set up their own place I'm hinting very heavily here listeners so set up your own place to actually then help um, young mums and their bubs like small steps are doing absolutely um well the best thing would be to jump on the hobart city mission website and you can find okay. information on you know a range of all our different programs there um and small steps included you can make a donation directly and you can specify that you'd really like that to go to small steps and they'll that'll be allocated okay. to to small steps um or yeah you can get in touch with us during business hours particularly if you're keen to to set up a program, uh, a sister mm, program. Yeah, we, we keep hitting. Yeah. <laughs> we keep hitting, don't we? <laughs> um, look, we're, we really are an open book. And, and as I said, we, we have been approached before and we've been really open in sharing, I guess, mm. our, um, our the model for Small Steps, but also, yeah. you know, the way we document things and having people walk alongside us because we're really just about supporting young mums in general and you know they're not just specific to to Tasmania so yeah 
yeah no definitely definitely so come on australia get out there and set up some small steps too um no look that's awesome that's brilliant look thank you thank you for that and i look i'll put all the blurb on the podcast uh, notes and i'll also do it on the youtube channel so it's all good um you'll have all the links there um and all the additional information if you did want to know what the website is if you can write it down and you don't want to actually look on the links um it's hobartcitymission.org.au forward slash small small steps and that should take you through to the small steps website and we can go from there so look Thank you so much for coming on board and talking to me today. I've just got one final question to ask, and I ask it to everyone. Uh, what would your one superpower be if you could grab one? Oh, a superpower. That's a good question. Um, oh, just off the top of my head, I would probably say um, to be able to teleport somewhere. I feel like so much more could be done if we didn't, have to waste time, you know, driving to and from places yeah. in traffic or, you know, if you could just teleport to where somebody is, that would be wonderful. Um, and then it wouldn't Wow, and think about they it. They didn't answer their phone or if, you know, aeroplanes yeah. weren't running, we could just, COVID wouldn't be so much of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, that's right. And just think you could teleport to Mars. Well, absolutely. Maybe you could set more <laughs> steps on Mars. Look, the, the um, yeah, it's endless, isn't it, really, what you could so you could like go to the moon because it's a teleporter so you know you could go go wherever you want absolutely that'd be lovely fantastic (laughs) i'm yeah no i'm loving that i'm loving that you could teleport back in time get the lotto numbers teleport back to here give me and you the lotto numbers we could win the money we could set up more small steps happy days absolutely oh see i hadn't even thought of that i'm probably a bit more dodgier than i thought so it's all good (laughs) i'm sure that's illegal going back in time and i'm sure there's some there'll be some law about it but i don't know no but it's all good no no doubt but we'd just be able to teleport out of prison so it wouldn't be wouldn't oh that's true. And if we teleported <laughs> to Mars and we've got 80 million, that's okay. Like eat your heart out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like we're going into a whole different avenue here. This is a whole different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, that's cool. Look, thank you ever so much. Thank you. You're all doing a brilliant job down there in Tasmania. Let's hope that, um, you know, some of us on the mainland, I keep calling it the mainland. I'm not sure it's the right thing to call it, but anyway, some of us here in Australia can actually help you guys out by either donating or again I'm going to say again setting up our own small steps to um, help some mums and bubs on this uh, on this side of the water but look thank you so much for coming on board it's been uh, brilliant speaking to you Um, love it love it love it love it no all good okay all right speak to you later bye bye hey everyone Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you'd like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website 
www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. Have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself, and remember, no one's perfect, and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single, and Human podcast.